just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. It's always doubt with us every year. It's like, oh, well, the Saints can't do this because something or, you know, Drew's gone and it. I, I don't, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't care. And I'm coming in every year thinking we're going to be the shit. What up? Welcome back to Black and Gold BS, the irreverent Saints podcast from Good Crew Media, presented by Makers Mark. I'm your host, Jacob Krasno, alongside my trusty co-host, Sean Haspel. What's up? Uh, our third co-host, Allison uh, Pratt, is uh, not with us today. She is busy. Um, but yes, it's been a while, once again. Um, this is our pre-draft podcast um not a whole lot has happened since we last <laughs> spoke um it was in the very beginning of the free agency period which we have dubbed the deshaun missile crisis the saints did their best to trade for or reportedly did their best to trade for the uh embattled alleged serial diddler deshaun watson from the texans he ultimately went to the browns um, but other than trying to make that move, it's kind of been an uncharacteristic offseason for the Saints. Usually they're uber aggressive in free agency, maybe not always with the top free agents, but they try to fill every hole that they can before the draft. And they haven't really done that so far this offseason, um, outside of a couple moves, um, signing Marcus May from the Jets, um, that fills a need at safety. Um, but with Malcolm Jenkins retiring after Marcus Williams signing with the Ravens, that remains a need. They haven't really addressed receiver. Haven't really addressed the offensive line as Teron Armstead has uh, jammed the knife in our backs and absconded to Miami with a bag <laughs> of cash. Um and other than that, you know, the Saints have signed a bunch of nobodies. They've resurrected Justin Evans' safety from the uh, the NFL boneyard. And they've signed Daniel Sorensen, who is uh, not very exciting as a potential starting safety next season. Um, and they've brought a couple of their own players back. But, um, Ironically, the, uh, the NFL boneyard is uh, the nickname that Deshaun Watson gave himself. So, Oh... <laughs> We've just been canceled. Canceled. But uh, yeah, this seems to jive yeah. with uh, what Mickey Loomis and, and Dennis Allen have uh, intimated that our philosophy will be uh, this offseason, which is not quite what we're used to. Yeah. Um, to that point, I, I think it was Nick Underhill who uh, termed the kind of strategy and tactics uh, that the saints are currently employing as being that of a competitive reload. So they're not going all, all out championship or bust YOLO as some folks like to say, um, like they've done more or less for the last 10 years or so um, when Drew Brees was, nearing the end of his prime and we had Sean Payton and really talented uh, championship caliber roster. Uh, but we're also not 
in a full rebuild. This team still has a ton of Pro Bowl, even all pro talent. Um, and especially with how down the NFC South and the NFC in general is, um, this team with a few more additions via uh, some smart free agent signings and uh, some great draft picks is good enough to compete for a – sorry, my dog just threw up. Um... <laughs> Gumbo! Oh, man. Uh, yeah, Gumbo is disgusted <laughs> that the Saints tried to sign Deshaun Watson as hard as they did. But um, but so no. So stop feeding your dog the deviled eggs from Costco. Oh, that that was a dark period in my culinary life cycle that has <laughs> passed, <laughs> Jacob. And uh, you know, I don't. I I I won't stand for these scurrilous accusations of Costco deviled eggs and Costco hard boiled <laughs> eggs and other. Items from Costco that you wouldn't feed a prisoner and are considered war crimes during the Geneva Convention. But nonetheless, the Saints are competitive enough to win the NFC, to compete for the NFC South, and compete for the NFC South, and at the very least, should be a wild card team this year. And once you're in the playoffs, hell anything can happen um if you have the right amount of luck and <laughs> right amount of luck and 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 the ball bouncing your way so um so yeah this this spirit of a competitive <laughs> reload the spirit of a competitive reload <laughs> uh you know it, it's really shaping our entire offseason philosophy this year <laughs> This year, so <laughs> in the words of Chris Rock, after being slapped by Will Smith, you've just witnessed the greatest moment in podcast history. <laughs> oh God! Okay, so yeah, so the the Yolo days are gone for the Saints. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I mean, as we mentioned, um, they're still going to be <laughs> aggressive um, when uh, an opportunity arises via uh, trade or free agency that they think really would be a home run move <laughs> um, such as the, the, the Deshaun Watson trade. I mean, for better or worse, um, they were willing to move like heaven and earth and a ton of uh, uh, financial resources and, and draft resources to, to really like shape their whole uh, roster around one player. But um those kind of unicorn opportunities um, are probably going to be the exception as opposed to the rule um, for at least this iteration of, of the Saints. And, and who knows, maybe they're back in true championship contention uh, within a season or two. Um, but you have to, I don't know. I This isn't the NBA where if your title window is pretty oh. unanimously seen as being closed – then the, the uh, no, the, I was able to kind of clean up the puke while podcasting. I, <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. you're a, you're a fucking champ for continuing to explain the saints offensive philosophy. It, your feet it, it, are covered in dog puke. You, you know, um, it's, I, 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 
I put a lot of passion, a lot of, a lot of effort and, and energy in, into this podcast, you know, and it's all part of the grind, part of the hustle, you know, cleaning up dog puke, uh, continuing to, to fire off saints analysis, uh, at the same time, you know, um, it's, uh, not everyone can do what we do, but, um, we do what we do because we do what we do. And, uh, James Cameron doesn't do what James Cameron does for James Cameron. James Cameron does what James Cameron does because James Cameron is James Cameron. That was a South Park reference. But, you know, uh, in the NBA, these teams, once their title windows close, um, they tank. They blow it all up, trade off their best assets, and hope to strike it rich in the lottery. This The NFL isn't like that. It's really hard to tank unless you're, I guess the Jacksonville Jaguars who weren't really tanking on purpose. They are just been really bad. And that's how they've got the number one pick in consecutive drafts. So, um, or the, to the lions pick first this year. I honestly don't even know. I think it's, it might be the lions. I should know. I Sorry. I, to admit, I, I don't know either. Yeah. Uh, we don't concern ourselves with these poverty franchises, but like, and to that point, like all, as we said before, kudos to Gail Benson for, being willing to spend uh, whatever it takes for us to be a contender. And uh, even though we're not technically con- contenders at this point, Gail doesn't want the Saints to be anything but competitive and be a winning team. And with everything that happened against the Saints last year, four starting quarterbacks, an unprecedented amount of injuries, suspensions, et cetera, COVID, you name it, Um they still went nine and eight and were within a uh, Rams collapse of to the 49ers of being in the playoffs. So um, like, I mean, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about our preseason predictions next year, but basically the saints are not rebuilding. They're competitively smartly attempting to reload. Um, and one thing you actually didn't mention Jacob in our uh, kind of um uh, off-season recap was that the Saints did make a big move uh, by trading um, uh, some some picks back and forth uh, with with the Eagles, and basically, more or less, they did their traditional first round trade up uh, during the draft. They they did it a few weeks before the draft this time, and so um, at the end of the day, when the dust settles, the Saints are now picking sixteenth, uh, nineteenth. And then 49th and 98th, um, and then some later picks as well. So the Saints have three picks in the top 50. That should be good enough to get them three starters, all on rookie deals. Um, and that should be a great way to plug uh, some of their their key needs, their key holes. Um, and uh, I guess, w- would you want to transition and start talking about what we think um, the best way to, to move those uh, yeah. Oh, man, manage those, those needs. And, and, and that being said, the saints aren't, that's where they're picking for now. Uh, 16th and 19th, uh, and 49th in the first and second rounds, they could move, they could stay put, they can, can move up again or move back. Um, what are your thoughts kind of in general there? Yeah. Um, the two first round picks, having them both in the top 20, it jibes with that. Uh, philosophy of mm-hmm. competitive reload where if you have if you're high on this draft and you think there are a lot of players in the first round that can help you contribute now and uh, in the immediate future in the coming next five years you know you have two really good players that are going to be under team control for five seasons 
Right. Um, what doesn't make sense to me, and it's something that we keep seeing in mock drafts. And by the way, like I think mock drafts are one of the dumbest things like on planet earth. Like we have no idea what the saints are. Like we, we can sort of read the tea leaves in terms of who is coming to visit um, an interview with the saints. Um, and there are, there have been a couple of years where like Jeff Duncan has heard something at the combine or at the owner's meeting. And he ends up being right about uh, specifically, you know, Cesar Ruiz His team was really high on him two years ago and they ended up drafting him in the first round. So occasionally there are reports that end up being true, but for the most part, we have no idea what the saints are actually thinking. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't make sense when you think about the bigger picture for them to use one or both of those first round picks to move up and take a quarterback. Right. Because that, that just doesn't dovetail with this idea of a competitive reload. Yeah. Um, because by all accounts, the quarterback class this year, isn't, they're not any good. They're not going to help you come in and win. They're not going to be better than Jameis Winston or probably even Andy Dalton. Um, and also in year, in year one, at least, I mean, right. Right. Like, like who knows? In Kenny 2022. Pickett, right. Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, they could, they could develop into great starters, but um, I, I totally agree with you, Jacob, that uh, I'm of the opinion that I don't think any of these projected first round quarterbacks are no brainer day one upgrade starters or even mid season starters over Jameis Winston. And, no. and, yeah, and, not even and if, yeah. And if, and if that's, and if that's the case, if you're a team that is still trying to win and be competitive and is potentially a few lucky bounces away from winning a couple games in the playoffs, then, then you're basically wasting some draft picks by doing that. Uh, if, if you were, I mean, if, if you were to t- trade up into the top 10 to take one of these quarterbacks, like some people have projected, then, then that's, you're basically wasting multiple draft picks on a guy who won't contribute to winning in a year where you're trying to be competitive. So man. Yeah. Um, I, I think the Andy Dalton move is demonstrative of this, like win now philosophy. Mm-hmm. Like you don't sign a premium backup like Andy Dalton. If, uh, you're building for the future. He's an insurance right. policy, like a very like good insurance policy for Jameis Winston. Right. He's he's like a Teddy Bridgewater or a Jameis before Drew Brees retired. Right. Exactly. Um, to me, that suggests they're not looking to trot a rookie out there. Right. Um, uh, basically, I, I don't know if you saw um, the Q and A that uh, uh, New Orleans sports media uh, raconteur. Um, Jeff Duncan uh, did at, when he was out at the Zurich Classic with um, Drew Brees, but uh, Brees basically said that exact same thing that he thinks Jameis is going to be is like ahead of schedule with his ACL repair. So physically, um, he'll be ready to be QB one. He thinks he's going to be wiser and more mentally prepared and locked in than he probably has ever been before. So theoretically mentally he's ready to go and he mentioned Andy Dalton as a solid really solid backup and he even like mentioned that he thinks Taysom either should maybe more should than would get like 10 to 15 snaps a game at QB he didn't even mention Ian Book but uh basically the larger point he was making was that um 
the Saints QB room is really solid as is. And he basically admitted that like he he didn't in 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 fewer words, he basically said that he wasn't too excited about any of these quarterbacks and hadn't really been watching them much. And um, that's kind of nice guy, Drew Brees way of saying that he doesn't think the saints should take any of these guys in the first round. And I mean, who knows if, if saints uh, football personnel folks feel the same way, but um, it certainly seems like that would be a mistake. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about the quarterbacks is that I do think there's a case to be made for taking them at the right value. Um, like if uh, Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis is there at 19, I think you have to consider that because they're projected to go a lot higher. Yeah. And then, and then you know, it, you're not burning another draft asset to get them. They kind of fell to you. and You can keep them on the roster. You can develop them into a future starter or you can trade them. Um but you just have to like take the best player available generally. Uh, that's usually that's true. the best way to go about it. And if they're the best player available, then you should take them. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's get into like what the saints needs are in the yeah. draft, what should be addressed, what we hope they will address. And so these are the picks they have. They have 16 and 19 in round one, 49 in round two, 98 in round three. So they have four picks in the top 100. They have 120 in round four, 161 in five, and 194 in round six. Um, It seems to be, uh, you know, the trendy prediction or or desire from Saints Twitter and a bunch of other podcasts and and media moguls for the Saints to be targeting one of these, like, high-end wide receivers uh, with one of these first-round picks. Um, And wide receivers definitely in need. So I guess the needs, you know, what the Saints, what they should be looking for are in no particular order, a tackle, a wide receiver, maybe an interior offensive lineman, a safety and tight end. Like I would say those are like, and and a running back because Alvin Kamara will probably be suspended. Yeah. So those are kind of the areas where I think a lot of people are hoping will draft. Um, I was listening to Nick Underhill's podcast this weekend and he agrees with uh, a majority of, of the mob out there that like wide receiver seems to be the, the biggest perceived need and Underhill described it as like dire. Like we have yeah. to draft a wide receiver in the first round. Right. But, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I vehemently disagree with that. I oh. don't, I think he's, I, I don't, I think he drank the Kool-Aid. I mean, it would be great. It would be exciting if we picked a wide receiver in the first round and I'd be happy about it, but I don't think it's the most dire need. The most dire need is a left tackle. We have to draft on the line before anywhere else. Everything trickles down from the offensive line. And that's an old Bill Parcells philosophy. It's the way we've operated since Peyton showed up. And for the most part, they've been pretty good at drafting offensive linemen and finding uh, good value in free agency. And, I'll put it to you this way. A good offensive line and an elite left tackle can mask deficiencies at other position groups. But a good wide receiver or a good tight end or a good running back is not going to mask a deficiency on the offensive line. I mean, just look at what happened in the Super Bowl. Joe right. Burrow's 
for his life at the end of the game and misses a wide open Jamar Chase. Like right. the fact that Jamar Chase was wide open for a potential game winning touchdown is irrelevant because there was a defensive lineman. For sure. Joe so you have to take care of business on the offensive line. And on top of that, elite left tackles are harder to find than good wide receivers. And we That's can true. find wide receiver help in other parts of the draft or free agency. Like at the end of the day, what we really should care about is did the saints get better, not just in the draft, but in the off season. Right. And like, I don't care where the good players come from. Right. If the wide receiver two is Jarvis Landry at age 30 or whatever, then like, great. I like, I don't care if we draft like Chris Olave or, or uh, Garrett Wilson or Jameson Williams or any of these other wide receivers that Saints Twitter is wanking off to. Like, I, it doesn't matter to me who they are. I don't care if they're 21 or 29. Like, just get good players in the building. Yeah. So that I, I agree largely with a lot of, a, a lot of those points. I mean, um, I, I'll hedge though and say that I think – I think it matter it matters less to me that the Saints like have to get a receiver at 16 or 19 or or a tackle at 16 or 19 but I just want them to like you said I want them to address I do think both of those positions are big needs um ideally we address my I'm forgetting how best to say this my ideal draft is honestly that we stay put or maybe even trade back a little bit into later in the first round, maybe pick up an extra second rounder or something. Um, but I want to come out of at least the second round with a wide receiver and a potential starting tackle. Um, I, I'll yeah. agree that I'll, I'll agree that um, elite left tackles or, or, or starting caliber left tackles are harder to find than, uh, theoretical wide receiver two, or wide receiver threes. If we're uh, the assumption that Michael Thomas is going to be our wide receiver one, um, for at least the next couple of years. And by all accounts, he's, uh, healthy and like totally locked in. Um, Dennis Allen went out to California to really kind of have a, some heart to heart bonding with him, which I think is like an awesome move by DA, uh, recognizing that, um, getting Mike back on board and, and locked in is like super key to the development of this team. Um, under, under his, under his coaching tenure. But, um, yeah, so my, my preference, I, I, I don't see a ton of value in, in, in ranking them per se, uh, tackle versus wide receiver or vice versa, um, in terms of, uh, order of precedence. But, um, but, but, but I do agree that, that it is harder to find those tackles. Uh, I've seen some, I, I would love for honestly us to go, either wide receiver tackle or, or vice versa at 16 and 19. I mean, that would be awesome. Um, and I've, sure. I've seen a lot of yeah. mock drafts where that happens. Uh, I was looking today and uh, tankathon.com, which is a, a great website um, for uh, draft uh, and lottery odds and mock drafts for, for all sports. Um, their latest mock from, I think it was updated like a day ago uh, has Charles cross actually falling all the way to 16 and us taking him and then us taking Jameson Williams at 19, which would be phenomenal. I, that, that is like, would be like my dream first round, honestly. If that um, happens, I'll, I'll fly to Phoenix and throw up on your feet like Gumbo did. 
Thanks, man. Yeah, maybe that that that'll be um our yeah our lucky our lucky thing. But um, but <laughs> he just like turned around and looked at me. You heard me talking shit. But um, man. Uh, but yeah. So it's it's funny. Like I guess if you want to determine like what the Saints need, you need to look at what the Saints have currently. And um, with Tehran Armstead's departure. Um, the current, our current left tackle one is James Hurst, who has pl- played a lot, uh, in various positions along the offensive line the last couple of years due to various injuries. He was our sixth offensive lineman. Um, I think the team is, is probably comfortable with him being our week one starter, uh, going into the season. Um, but certainly, I mean, it would be great if we could upgrade. Um, I mean, I don't know if Charles, a guy like Charles Cross, in most mock drafts does is going to fall all the way to 16. Um, I've seen a guy like Trevor Penning, who's kind of generally on tier two of the offensive tackles um, being there at 16 or 19. And I think he'd be a a great pick. Um, He's a guy that maybe you don't have to have as your um, week one starter. And he could almost be like Teron Armstead did. He was a small school tackle who uh, took over the starting job uh, midway through the season. Um, the Saints also have Landon Young, who I know they really like. Uh, last year's uh, mid-round rookie out of Kentucky, uh, he I think like got hurt <laughs> halfway through his first start uh, this year. At, he himself being an injury replacement for I don't remember if it was Ramcheck or, or Armstead, um, but so definitely a rocky start to his career. But I know they still really like his his prospects. So, um, but uh, but no, I, I do hope they take a tackle um, at some point in, in, in the first round, uh, maybe even the second round at 49, if, if they like a, a guy, a, a guy there. Um, but I do think wide receiver is really important. Uh, the saints wide receiver group last year with Mike being out and um, losing Emmanuel Sanders to, to Buffalo. Uh, it was, it was pretty terrible. Um, Marcus Calloway, uh, he, he had some, some real great flashes this year or last year, uh, last couple of years, but um, he, I, in an ideal world, he's our wide receiver three at best, um, maybe even four. Um, and that kind of, uh, you, you mentioned Jarvis Landry, who I, I don't remember if we, we actually mentioned, but he, he visited the saints um, uh, in, 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 in the last couple of weeks. Uh, no, no deal was, was signed. He's still a free agent. Um, he's a guy who was cut by the Browns. So he, uh, if they were to sign him before the, uh, the draft, he wouldn't count against the comp pick formula, um, which I know, uh, matters to a lot of saints fans at the very least. Um, but, uh, in theory, if you do take a wide receiver in the first round, uh, or maybe even the second round, um, and he's to be your wide receiver too, and you sign Jarvis Landry, and then have Callaway and Deontay Hardy as your four and five. That's a you go you you make two moves and bring back a healthy Michael Thomas. That's a really solid wide receiver room. And um, if you're able to have a, a decent enough O line to go with that, Jameis Winston has some protection and some weapons. Um, so I, that's a really that's like three moves between free agency and the draft that go a long way towards fixing our offense. So um, yeah. yeah. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying right, that I think right, the right. wide receiver room is good the way it is. It's fucking atrocious. Yeah. Um, and completely bereft of talent, except for Deontay Hardy. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, 
I just think that there's easier ways to acquire talent at wide receiver than in the draft. And yeah. if you're like dead set on them drafting a wide receiver in the first, and if they don't, you're going to freak out. Then like, I just don't think you understand how right. football works. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's also, uh, if we, if we waited till pick 49, um, to take a, a wide out, uh, that wouldn't be the worst thing ever. I mean, there have been, in recent years, there have been a plenty of uh, wide receivers taken in the second round who've gone on to be pro bowlers, all pro guys. Um, I think yeah, DK like Michael Met- Thomas. Michael Thomas, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. There, or I, I believe that they were all second round guys. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's currently a bunch of guys who are are waiting um, on on their big extensions uh, as, as we speak. Some guys who are holding out um, of their OTAs. Uh, so. Like we don't um, and, need yeah, Debo Samuel as well. So yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, two things. I was going to say we don't need like an alpha dog at wide receiver. We right. have one. We have that. Thomas. We exactly. need somebody who like has the potential to be that, but also can in year one just be a supporting player and adds depth. Um, right. Stretch the field a little bit. Uh, regarding Debo Samuel, personally. I would trade one of our first round picks for Debo Samuel. I think he's incredible. Uh, I know he doesn't really want to play running back anymore. And like, but who cares? He's a good player. Like right. they'll figure out ways to use him. Um, and that would be all. I, I would love that. Yeah. No, I, I, I would absolutely trade a first, like one of our first for Debo Samuel. But I think the price to get him would be more than that. So, um, and I don't know how much more I'd be willing Somebody, well, and also the the financial costs. Like he's going to be, um, I think what Tyree Kill is making how many million? Like is it is it thirty million a year for Tyree Kill? Uh, it, I should it, know that, but I don't. It, no, I know. But uh, regardless, uh, and this is one of the things that Underhill brought up is that the wide receiver market has exploded. Like thanks to guys like Christian Kirk getting like eighteen million dollars a year. Um, guys who've never even had 800 yards like receiving uh, in their careers, just getting dumb uh, process, uh, dumb contracts, which, which does make a uh, drafting wide receiver and having him under that rookie wage scale for four or five years, um, all the more, all the more appealing. So um, yeah, I, it's, it's yeah. tough. I mean, I do think we're seeing this crazy explosion of wide receiver money, that market's like cratering a bit. It seems like people mm. like Odell and Jarvis, if you kind of read between the lines are angling for that type of money and they're not kidding. Right. And even right. Tyron Matthew seems like, I feel like if, if he was willing to take what we thought he was worth, we'd have signed him already. Right. Tyron Matthew though, um, as I kind of mentioned is the opposite of Landry in that he, uh, probably won't sign until after the draft anywhere, um, whether it be the Saints or somewhere else, because he would count against that compact formula. But also he would want to probably wait to see what the uh like who drafts safeties where and kind of like what what his needs are. So and I think Jarvis is kind of similar in that way. So um I yeah, I don't know if either of them is going to be signed this week. Um but gosh, uh depending on how the draft shakes out for the Saints, I think both Tyron Matthew uh, and Jarvis Landry would be obviously like very welcomed by the fans, but also uh, really key members and, and useful members of the roster. Um, 
yeah, right now, like, as you mentioned in our kind of intro, like Marcus May is set to be a starting safety. Um, we brought, we did bring back PJ Williams on a, on a, a yet another one year deal for PJ, but, um, uh, and he, I guess he's probably set to, to be a starter as well. But, um, I think uh, if we, if we aren't, if we don't draft a safety, uh, high to be a day one starter, um, then I think, uh, maybe, maybe we, Tyron Matthew would, would, would be a good option there just because uh, I know they like CD Deuce staying in that, that slot role. And I'm, I'm sure he'll be on the field basically as our, our fifth starting DB um, himself. So I, I think taking, moving him out of position to be a starting safety. And I, I just don't think that really benefits, benefits anyone. So um, yeah, safety is definitely a, a sneaky need for sure. Yeah. I would argue that it's probably the third biggest need right behind wide receiver and, and tackle because mm-hmm. we're going to need somebody to start probably in place of Marcus May week one. Yeah. And we don't have anybody really. We have, we have PJ Williams, like he'll probably be one of the guys, but we need, we need somebody else. We need more warm bodies back there. Right. Right. Um, so what, what is your uh, ideal uh, day one to two of the draft? Yeah, um, I, I I pretty much uh, mentioned it, but uh, either going wide receiver, tackle, or vice versa at sixteen and nineteen, um, with uh, one of one of the the elite wide receivers, either Jamison Williams, uh, Chris Olave, or Garrett Wilson from o- Ohio State, um, maybe Drake London from USC. Uh, any one of those four guys I think would be awesome at 16 um, and almost certainly one of them would be available there. And then taking a tackle like Trevor Penning potentially at 19, I think would address our two biggest needs. Um, and then if uh, that, that would be our, our day one and then getting into the second and third rounds uh, where we have a pick one pick in each after the, the Eagles trade. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that would be a great place to take a safety or a running back. Um, I wouldn't hate a quarterback there. If, if they really like the potential of maybe a Desmond Ritter at 49, maybe yeah, like Matt yeah. Corral or Sam Howell. Um, if they really think there could be something there with one of those guys have like, I mean, I, it sucks that Ian book like didn't really get a fair shake last year. Um, but it if they love, if, if maybe we don't know the internal dynamics, maybe uh, Ian book was more of a Sean Payton pet project. Um, and maybe uh, Pete Carmichael doesn't, isn't as enamored with book uh, as, as Payton was and loves one of these, those, those kind of second and third tier uh, QB options more as a potential developmental guy. Um and so maybe, maybe we go that way. We don't know, but, um, uh, yeah, I think we, we, we did briefly mention that running back is actually a sneaky big need. Um, Mark Ingram, uh, we obviously love him. He's the saints all-time leading rusher. Um, he is probably on his last legs as a, as a, a replacement level or above NFL player. Um, and Alvin Kamara, thanks to his, uh, fun times in Las Vegas is probably facing at least a game or two, maybe even more suspension. Um, And 
running back three was pretty much a disaster last year. Uh, Tony Jones Jr. <laughs> after being a uh, pretty pretty decent in the preseason, uh, just was kind of a flop in the uh, in in the, in the regular season. So um, I will never forgive Tony Jones Jr. For being the reason why I missed the playoffs in our fantasy league. I started him against you, no less, on Thursday night during the Thanksgiving game. And uh, I think I needed like two or three points to beat you, and he got negative points. And if I had started um, Ty Montgomery, I would have won. Uh, so thanks for thanks for nothing, Tony Jones Jr. Thanks for that. Yeah, and Ty Montgomery's gone too now, so he's not even an option there. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, so running back is definitely a big need for the black and gold. And um, there's some, there's some solid uh, guys who will be there in the second and third rounds. So um, yeah, uh, they definitely have lots of options there. And um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think ideally. Um, my my perfect draft would be for us to take a tackle at either 16 or 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other pick would be just the best player available. Right. Um, it would be really cool if it was a receiver. Yeah. But, um, I've been talked into, like, maybe even if that defensive tackle from Georgia was there, that would be cool. Or Kyle Hamilton, the safety, if he somehow yeah. fell. Uh, I just want like a really badass player with the other pick, but one of them has to be a tackle. Um, and again, if it's a receiver, great. Um, and then as we get into day two and three, like we need a running back. Yeah. We've been pretty good at finding them as undrafted free agents, but it would be nice to know that the saints have invested some good draft capital in it. I also think we need a tight end. Um, Troutman is kind of, in the bust category, Nick Vanette yeah. is at best like a backup tight end. And we don't really know. We haven't mentioned this either, but we don't really know what we have in Taysom Hill as like an H-back tight end. We know he's athletic and he's a good receiving threat, but like can he be a really good full-time starting tight end? We just don't know. Right. So right. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt to have some more talent in the room. Right. Um, and maybe that's a guy you can look for in round three or four. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I agree. Tight end's a huge question mark. I'm not ready to like totally cut bait on trout man. Um, that was a fishing pun. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, I'm not uh, either, but I'm yeah. just not really confident. Right. He's, that. he's no, me neither. I mean, Oh no, absolutely. We don't have a reliable tight end on the roster. We have guys, a lot of projection, a lot of hopes and dreams, but um, we don't have we don't have a bona fide, stamped, reliable tight end one for all of <laughs> Jared Cook's faults. He was that um, for a, for a couple seasons for us, and um, yeah. Uh, <sighs> So I could see tight end um, being being uh, being a, a move we make in in the first couple of rounds, um, but uh, I I honestly haven't like prepped on any of the top guys there. Um, I know they like uh, one of the guys from uh, Ohio State. Surprisingly, uh, is is an option, and um, uh, one of the guys from uh, tight end from Wisconsin 
is also a uh, potential there. So, um, yeah, I, I could absolutely see that being a move we make in the maybe third or fourth round, perhaps. Yeah. Um, one final thought regarding the quarterbacks, um, and then we can start wrapping this up because it's mm-hmm. lunchtime and Jakey is hungry. <laughs> um, one reason why I'm not super confident in the team drafting a rookie is just we don't have the you know the franchise's greatest quarterback coach greatest quarterback developer yeah. building anymore. And I don't really know if Pete Carmichael um, is capable of molding a young minded QB. Um, Jameis is more fully formed than any of mm-hmm. these people. And he's learned under Peyton and learned under breeze already. Um, and these, these young guys haven't. So right. I don't, I, we just don't know what we have. And I think it's fair to say that, Pete Carmichael won't develop a rookie quarterback as well as Sean Payton would have. Yeah. And for that reason, among others, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it, it, it all just kind of goes back to what, what we said at the beginning that like the saints are trying to win games and I am very unconvinced that any of these rookies will help us win games this season. It's really that simple. So yeah. Uh, I mean, say what we like long-term development, but like that's really what matters right now. And, and it, honestly, it should matter to us kind of as fans. Like I want the saints to win games. I'm always happier when the saints win games. Like if, if like we, <laughs> If if we take Malik Willis at like tw- trade up to like twelve or something, and take Malik Willis, and the defense is like really good this year, and Michael Thomas is back, but like Malik Willis is like completing fifty two percent of his passes and like barely throwing more touchdowns than picks on the season, and we like aren't winning games, I'm not going to be like. Hell yeah, man. His he's getting some great development reps. Like, no, that sucks. Like, I I, yeah. I I know, I know that's like potentially being spoiled, and like very rarely do you have your cake and eat it too with a lot of these guys. But um the Saints have a roster to to win now. I mean, like the a lot of these teams that take quarterbacks in the first round, they don't. And um I don't know. I I I just think it's a better use of high value assets like these mid first rounders that we have to help round out a currently competitive roster and solidify it into a solid playoff team. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I I would say I'm more dialed in than the average person. I'm not a tape eater like some people, but Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty telling that, me, a former media professional who pays attention, has no before this draft process had no idea who the fuck Malik Willis was. Right. I had only heard of Kenny Pickett because of his like viral fake slide. Yeah. I had never heard of Desmond Ritter. Carson Strong, who the fuck is that? Right. Like I only know of Matt Corral because he played at Ole Miss and he was pretty good. I mean, 
I guess I'd be excited if we ended up with him in round two or at like a good value, but yeah. like he blew out his knee. Um, yeah, please say a prayer to your buddy D false idol candle that we don't draft any of these like schmoes. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and also just like not to like, I know we are basically beating a dead horse at this point, but like how we don't like the, we don't want the Saints to draft a quarterback is the, the general thesis. But uh, also just looking ahead to next year, like if we have Jameis on like a very like low risk contract, if, if we, if we use these assets um, to put weapons around him and short reshore up our O-line and, um, and, and give him the tools to be successful, arguably unlike we did last year to be fair to him. If we, if we, create an environment in which a plus quarterback should thrive and Jameis isn't able to thrive this year, then we'll have that full seasons. Hopefully like he remains healthy again and we'll have that full season's worth of data. That'll show that he's, he is definitely not our quarterback of the future. And then we can have this whole conversation again next year um, about should we draft a quarterback and uh, who do we draft and, or do we get aggressive in a trade? And who knows, like at, at, at the end of the season, last uh, two years ago, no one would have thought that Russell Wilson would have been available. Uh, no one would have thought that Deshaun Watson would have been on the move, et cetera. Like you never know how the NFL is going to, is going to pan out. Like maybe this Kyler Murray situation out here in Arizona doesn't get resolved. And maybe he's available for trade um, at, after next season. Um who knows? Like maybe Aaron Rodgers, like, I, I don't know who knows. Like he's a crazy ass, but the, all I'm saying is the NFL is unpredictable. And I, I just generally think the crop of draft eligible QBs um, for next year is just better than, uh, than this, this crop, like largely headlined by Bryce Young and CJ Stroud from Bama and Ohio state respectively. And then there's a couple uh, more downstream guys who just like their resumes at, at this point, I mean, some of them might flop this, this year, but, and some of them might take off ne ne next year or in 2022, but um, are just generally more impressive to me than this, this crop. So I don't like the idea of taking a quarterback just to take a quarterback. And um, yeah, so that's, that's the end of my don't draft a quarterback Ted talk. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure we'll have the conversation again uh, next week after the yeah. draft. Uh, during the during the first round, I'll be at a rap party. So, whatever my reaction to our picks is going to be, will be uh, multiplied by uh, copious amounts of alcohol. That's funny. Yeah, now that we've like gone on these like anti 2022 quarterback uh, draft uh, rants. Um, the saints are almost certainly going to draft a quarterback now and we're going to look like idiots. So, uh, I can't wait for that. Yeah. We, there's nothing wrong with a little drama. Yeah. Fun and times dog and dog puke. Yes. Um, all right. Anything else we need to address or shall we wrap it up? No, I, I think Baker's that, Mark ad read. Yeah. I think, I think the, the takes have, have been, uh, hot, and on point this week, and I'm sure uh, our post-draft takes will be equally as spicy. So, um, yeah, I think we can call it a day. 
Let's do it. All right. We're presented by Maker's Mark. So hit us with the Maker's Mark ad read that you make up. Yeah. Sure, of course. Yeah, I mean, Maker's Mark, um, proud proud presenting sponsor of uh, Black and Gold BS and many other fine podcasts on the Brewcrew Media Network. It's Maker's Mark, the whiskey that your dog likes to drink and then throw up all over your shoes. Maker's wow. Mark. Irresponsible dog owner. Um, all righty. Well, for Sean Haspel, I'm Jacob Krasno. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at, at Sean Haspel and at Jacob Krasno. I never plug our handles, but I probably should start doing that. Uh, please, even if you're one of our parents, because none of our parents follow us on Twitter, um, nor do they even have Twitter. But you should follow us, like us, retweet, follow us on Instagram, do all the social media things. Um, once again, this has been Black and Gold BS, the Irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media. Uh, until next time. Go Pels, baby. Who dat? Who dat?